howdy do who fans and welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's adam and welcome back this is episode 241 yes sir one day i shall come back yes i shall come back until then there must be no regrets no tears no anxieties just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that i am not mistaken in mine our lives are different to anybody else's that's the exciting thing nobody in the universe can do what we're doing I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor! For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, and I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy do, Who fans. Hope you've all had a cracking few weeks and that you've all managed to, do, managed something. to do something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. Related, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It's great to be back in the TARDIS behind or in front of the microphone. I never know which way around it is. In front of the microphone. Yeah, in front of the mic. Chatting Doctor Who. <laughs> it feels like we've been away for a long time. It hasn't been that long, really. It does feel a long time. Mm. Yeah, I must admit, um, it feels like years. <laughs> it, it, was, it has been a couple of months, to be fair. It's, but it's, it's gone really quick, hasn't it? Gone quick. We've been off for this. We've had a. We've been hippies. We've been off for a long mm. summer holiday. <laughs> yeah, we didn't take any microphones with us. Well, uh, yeah, I think I said on the one that we managed to record in between. I, I did take all my microphone and stuff to the hotel, and then couldn't use any of it. And then, so I moved back for a couple of days. Brought it all back, and I didn't take it with me the second time, obviously, because there was no point. Why would you? Yeah, exactly. Why would you? Yeah, <laughs> just sleeping next to the mic. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you very much to all of you folks that have tweeted us over the last month mm. or so. It's been great keeping in contact with um, with a lot of you chatting away, Doctor Who. There's not still a not great deal happening in the world of Doctor Who. No, still very quiet on the news front. We've had no new trailers, no updates, no images, no. We haven't had any faff either. We've had no... Um, There's been no gossip, has there, no, at all? No, no rumours of people shivers. storming out, throwing scripts on the ground, yelling mm. at the sky, I can't do this anymore. I'm out of here. There's been no drama. <laughs> no, that's true. Very quiet, indeed. So, yes, 
it's very good to be back. Thank you very much to all of you guys, like I said, that have uh, uh, kept in touch and we've chatted with you guys. It's all very, very cool. Um, all being well, we should be back to normal scheduling from this week. Yeah. Um, I am going to be on holiday in a couple of weeks. Time. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but I think we should be able to record before I go because I go like at the end of the week. So fingers crossed. Schedules mm-hmm. we'll, permitted. Uh, we'll be fine. We'll work around it. As always. Yes. Uh, before we crack on with the show, remember to listen and subscribe on whatever podcast app you listen to. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast. Give us a like and a sub on those things and check us out on all the socials. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, along with Adam, the Geek's Handbag. Mm-hmm. Give him a search and a follow and a like and all that jazz so we can carry on chatting with you guys and any newbies that decide to jump on to the TARDIS as well. So this could be a big one, but what have you been up to, buddy? I've, I've seen <laughs> you've been on various trips and whatnot. You've done a lot more than I have anyway. I, I must admit, I have really kept myself busy. Um, so the last couple of months obviously been a bit turbulent in my private life um, and a bit of an upheaval having to move out and stuff. But the the plus side of that is, is I've really gone, gone for it. Like um, things where I, you know, when I've sort of thought, no, I might have done that or, oh, that event sounds good. I'll see what I'm doing that weekend because I've sort of been pushed out of my comfort zone and out of home. When stuff's come up, I've just been like, yeah, I'm going, I'm doing it. I'm there. Um, so I've, I've had a, in a way, although I've had a turbulent couple of months, I've also had a really good couple of months. Um, and um, yeah, I've been doing quite a few events and stuff. Um, went to the BFI Mind Warp, uh, which was really good. I, I know you couldn't make that one. It's a shame. Um, it was a good event. And I got to chat with Maria, who does a lot of our um, reviews uh, on our on our uh, website. Oh, cool. Uh, had a really cool chat with her. Um, and it was a good event. Colin and Nicola were there. Uh, Colin was great on stage, I tell you. Well, and Nicola, they were both brilliant. There's clearly a lot of love between those two. He got quite emotional at one point when he referred to her as his Perry. Um, they're clearly really good friends. And they did a signing after as well, which was good. You know, when they sort of sealed off that room oh, <laughs> with the blanket, yeah. you know, the, the curtain, sorry. <laughs> they did that, um, which was good. So, yeah, it's nice to meet Colin. Um, I also did uh london film fair which again was a real spur of the moment tom baker got added and um this was the day after i think yeah so i'd I'd done mind warp on the saturday and then all the guys i'd been out drinking with on the after mind warp were like yeah we're meeting tom baker tomorrow why don't you come along and i'm like oh i don't know i've you know i've come up to london today and i'll see how i feel tomorrow and then i woke up in my in my travel lodge and I was like, right, I'm off up to London again. I'm going to go and go and meet Tom. But it's just, it was like that. It was like, do I stay in my hotel room and stare at these walls or do I just go out and do this stuff? And that's what I mean. I just, uh, yeah. So I met Tom Baker the next day. So two bakers in one weekend, Tom's looking incredibly well. He, I mean, he's clearly aging like we all do, but he's, he was telling stories and joking around and all this stuff, just like he always does is, you know, wasn't showing any signs of sort of, um, you know, quieting down his old age. He was just full of energy. It was great to see. Um, I was gutted. He told my favorite story just as I was in front of him and I was filming it on my phone. Um, it's, it's when he, it's from his book. He's basically, cause he does sort of tell stories as if they're new, but it was from his book. Um, it's when he was saying like he was working with a, 
woman in the theater and she's like you don't remember me and the the punchline is well we were only married for a couple of years he's like oh yeah and, and i got and my phone blimmin always full as you know because i've got so many photos on it cut out and didn't save it i was so gutted it would have been such a cool little memento of meeting tom that day but yeah he looked really good um and then i'm trying to think this is like again this might have been on the monday or a few days later or whatever um our good friend Adam the Hoovian was like, oh, I'm meeting Chris Treckleston <laughs> in a couple of days. Like, what? Where's this? What's going on? So up to London again um, to the National Theatre where Chris did a 45 minute talk. Way too short. He was fascinating. And um, if there was one event that I would have loved to have been with you, it's that one. Because, you know, we, we've talked about Chris a lot over the years and why he left who and he's quite an intriguing character because he only did mm. that one series and stuff i'd love you to have been there mate it, it, uh, as i said it was a spur of the moment i was only literally bought my ticket the night before um and he's so interesting so honest and it really uh made me think about why he only did the one series because he was going through so much uh in his personal life and he was talking about anorexia and all these other depressions and things that he's gone through they were affecting him at the time. And I think sometimes, and we, we all do this, don't we, in real life, we we never think about what somebody might be going through. Like if someone's a bit grumpy every day, we sort of think, no, oh, what's up with them? But we, we don't often think, well, they might be going through some stuff, you know? So that was fascinating. And um, I got to meet him afterwards because he was signing his autobiography. And I basically said to him, uh, I'm really glad you've started doing conventions again because um, we love meeting you. And he grabbed my hand and he went, and I love meeting you. And he just sort of said it so oh. sincere, <laughs> yeah. and it like it was just a really lovely moment because the reason I said that is um, when they asked for questions from the audience, I wanted to ask him what made him change his mind about doing conventions. That was going to be my question, but I didn't get a chance to ask it. So that was sort of the next best thing, if you like. So yeah, met three doctors in about the space of a week, which was amazing. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, also did a quick trip to the Who shop, which was good, and then finally really and i have done quite a lot of other stuff in between but too much to blab on about now but um finally i got my ticket to the next bfi event and i know you've got one and i'm so excited for this bfi curse of fenric in november just cannot wait literally cannot wait um we both love mccoy to see him on the big screen it's going to be amazing it is it's going to be an awesome yeah i was, I was gutted i couldn't go to the last to the mind warp uh, event um i just couldn't make that one but um yeah uh, we've we've blabbered so much on the podcast over the last year i suppose maybe two years about how cool the bfi events are so mm. i know they do sell out relatively quickly you have to keep an eye on on the website so what they do is at the bfi they open up the tickets to members first i think it's about a week or three or four days before the public and then because it tells you if you if you do a search um uh, for for an event, if you just search for Doctor Who, it will tell you the date and time that those tickets go on sale. And that is the public time. It's not the member's time. So if you can in any way manage to get hold of a ticket or manage to, not necessarily this one coming up, the Fenric one, but any any of the events in the future, they're so, it's just, there's something amazing about packing a cinema out with Doctor Who fans and everybody sat around watching. Because you're all, it's like you're in, uh you know, the same company and uh, you're, you're all pretty much there for the same reason. You're all fans of Doctor Who and so on. And it's just such a good atmosphere and a good vibe. And then you have the drinks afterwards and stuff and you get to talk to other Who fans and 
it's just a great I'm so glad that they do that because they don't have to really they don't you know there's no there's no market research or anything that happens like they do with uh, newer Doctor Who that's going on on the, mm. on the TV this is old classic Who they don't need to to do this stuff it's just because it's an extra cool thing to support the Blu-ray box set and so on. So mm-hmm. I love these events, but I can't wait to go in November. It'll be nice and uh, chilly in November as well. So mm-hmm. get a nice... Yeah, get, uh, your, get your um, paisley scarf. It's a paisley one McCoy wears, isn't it? Yeah. Paisley, was, yeah. yeah, get your paisley scarf. i got to say, I love these events. I think they've become my favourite thing. Like, you know, I used to look forward to LFCC and all that, but I, that, that's kind of gone out the window compared to these because there's so much more of a social thing. Well, although I still love like the big conventions and meeting all the big guests, these BFI events are so, it's just a social thing, isn't it? You see the same people quite often, you get to know people, you get, you just chat Doctor Who, you get to see it on the big screen. Um, they are becoming incredibly popular. Uh, this one literally sold out in seconds. I was there uh, if you'd have seen me, my face nearly exploded with rage um, the day they went on sale because the night before, our good friend Morgan said, do you want me to get you a ticket because he's a member? And I was like, no, it's all right, mate. I'm off tomorrow. I will be there at 11.30 when they go on sale. Not a problem. I'd rather get my own. Just, you know what I'm like, but I like to just do my own thing. I, it's, thanks anyway, but I'll, I'll grab it. So I'm there. I'm all set up uh, literally an hour before the computer is on. I'm counting down the seconds to half 11 half 11 refresh the page right select my seat add to basket refresh let's do this what sold out it literally refreshed <laughs> in in like the 20 seconds it took me to tick the box and and I, I thought it can't it can't have sold out that quick what literally it's like 32 minutes past how what is going on i couldn't i refreshed refreshed it was just coming up sold out because the, the reason is obviously bfi members get to buy them a week before mm-hmm. and then they go and on sales to the general public the following week i was just furious mate honestly i went in the chat i went in our little group chat and everyone was like yeah did you get your ticket i got mine i'm like e4 i'm n2 and i was like you all got it i'm like well, i literally was like there what what's going on like i couldn't even get it in the basket and i was because you know mccoy <laughs> I've, I've been saying this so much if there was one event i did not want to miss i mean i don't want to miss any of them but if there was one it's got to be this because i just love mccoy um i was furious I was absolutely throwing my toys out the pram. I couldn't believe that I didn't manage to get a ticket. And um, yeah, I was I was proper sulking and oh, I was furious. And I I phoned him. I thought I'm going to get on the phone. I I've, I can't have this. I've got to be there. So I got on the phone to BFI, and it's like you are more than five in the queue. I'm like oh, <laughs> and I'm refreshing, refreshing. All of a sudden, a seat right at the back came up and i mean it is literally right at the back in the corner it's probably the worst seat in the oh. whole venue but i was like get it get it so i'm on i'm on hold and i'm like adding it to my basket and i managed to get one um and Phew. i'm pleased because yeah. i i've done that thing of now i've got one i still keep going on and refreshing just to see if they've because they do release more I, I know that i could probably rock up on the day and they very often have tickets on the day don't they because mm-hmm. they reserve seats for like bbc people who don't turn up and stuff um people like Frank Skinner, I think they always offer him a free ticket and sometimes he's not there. So gen, you know, genuinely someone will get his seat cause he's not turned up sort of thing. So, um, yeah, there was still a good chance I'd get to go, but I, I just thought, I'll, I don't care if it's at the back. I want to be in that room. Um, because there's no way I was going to come up afterwards and just meet you guys and hear about you all saying, I'm good. I was like, no, I can't do that. I'll be, I'll be furious. <laughs> anyway, I've got one. It's all good. And I know you got one cause Maria got it, didn't she? 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Big yes. thank you to um. Yeah. So Maria, uh, she's one of our. Uh, she's one of our writers, does loads of reviews. She actually did a, a really good uh, review of the Mind Warp event that's on our website. So She did, yeah, I was reading it last night, yeah. Yeah, she's really cool. So she bagged me a, a ticket, which is awesome. So we're going to the show. We we're, are there. We are there, mate, yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad. I can't, honestly can't wait. Yes, it's going to be good. Um, and yeah, I, I've my last month six weeks whatever has been very quiet in comparison to yours because uh, i've just been so busy with uh, the day job and um my son uh, flew off his bike and broke his wrist a couple of weeks ago Oh yeah i saw yeah so we've been up was at the hospital for a few days solid for that because you know kept waiting for an operation and blah 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 and then we had to go back the next day and we were there again this week so trips to the hospital and so on it's just been yeah a busy old a busy old time for uh, for me, uh, the only thing I've done Doctor Who wise is um, got back into some reading uh, for Who. So while it's been quiet and there's not much going on, um, I've watched the odd, the odd episode here and there, nothing heavy. But um, mm. I picked up this book years ago and never read it. It's just been on the shelf. Surprise, surprise! Uh, it's called Behind the Sofa. Behind the Sofa, which is All a right. collection of um, I know the one. Yes. Uh, so that that's a really good read. Anyone that's not picked, it must be only be like a fiver or something now if you if you see it in forbidden planet or um water stones or something like that it's a, that's a really good story it's a, essentially a collection of people's memories from when they watched doctor who when they were younger and it's very very cool um and now i'm uh, through uh, about a third of the way through um there was a what was it i'm looking at it now um uh, the douglas adams story that was redone or or moved along a little bit the pirate planet Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm about a third of the way through that. Cause that's another one that was just bought and then stuck on the shelf. Mm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's not, not too bad a story. It's, um, I'm hoping it's going to pick up a bit. Uh, so that's not too bad. So I've done a bit of reading. Um, I've watched the odd episode, but in a way it's been quite nice to have a bit of a break from it all because, um, uh, obviously recording, uh, the podcast and bringing the show out for you guys on a weekly basis is great and everything. But when there's not much going on in the who sphere, stuff like that, it's, um, and we've, we've got our reviews that we need to get through as well. We're still plowing mm. through all that stuff, but, um, yeah, it's just been nice in a way, just have a bit of a break and, and now just to click back on with it. So I know what you mean. Yeah, it does. It's good to have a break. Yes. Catch up. I've, I've got loads of books I need to read. You know, I love buying books and then they sit there and pile up. And I'm like, I'm right. Which one shall I read? Like the Eccleston one, I'm that is next on my list. I definitely am going to. I was going to start it last night, actually. And I was just too tired. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading that. Yes. I, I've got the Pirate Planet, um, but I haven't read it. <laughs> I think I got a signed one. And uh, but yeah, it's, it's sat on my shelf. I don't think I ever got around to reading it. Yeah, well, it's just a common thing, isn't it? It seems mm. for us. We just buy mm. stuff and it goes on the shelf and, yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll read that tonight. Oh, I'm a bit tired. I'll do it tomorrow. And then exactly. It's like a, yeah. it's like a temporal <laughs> loop. You just keep going through it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So that's us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen plenty of guys um, on Instagram off to various events. I think a few people that we follow on social were at a couple of the same events that you were at. So there is still stuff going on. Yeah. Which is good. So, um. Yeah, let's hope by the end of the year it picks up and we get some kind of, uh, some kind of, of news, in some shape or form for the new series. Yeah, because um, we still don't know when next year that's going out. So, who knows? Anyway, yeah, so, I was gonna say it does. Yeah, it feels very. 
it's almost it sounds strange but i've almost forgotten about it because <laughs> i'm because i'm so into classic at the minute and then blu-ray sets and like you said there's sort of stuff going on classic who related i've not really been sort of thinking about the new series i don't know about you i i'm not sort of sat thinking oh I've, i probably should be thinking about it more but it's probably because he'd been on a break and i've just been concentrating on classic really but mm. yeah yes okay right yo shall we land this old bird and see what's going yeah. on with news and so on okie dokie So you mentioned Mr. Eccleston that you met at one of your events and mm. that you said uh, that you're very glad that he's attending more events and that continues mm. as next year at the Gallifrey One convention over in LA, the Los Angeles airport uh, on Valentine's Day, in fact, next year, uh, Chris <laughs> Eccleston that. will be attending Gallifrey One. That's really cool. Which I would never, if you'd have asked me this question even a year ago, do you reckon Eccleston will ever go and do more than LFCC? I don't think so. Yeah. He's probably had a taste of that and thought, sod this for a game of cricket. <laughs> I'm good, thanks. But no, he seems... To, do you know what? I feel like as he's getting older, he's mellowing a little bit in terms of of Doctor Who and fandom and that stuff, it feels like. Yeah, I was going to say, I just love him, actually. Um, I, I nearly forgot to tell you this. He nearly lamped. So there's a there's a dealer <laughs> that we see at all the events that we go to. He's really annoying. I'm, I know who and, you mean. Um, yep. And uh, he was really hassling Chris at the National. And Chris was like, in the end, was like, do you want to fight? He's like, because yeah. if you don't leave it, you're going to get one. Uh, he's, he's still got a bit of fire in the belly, but he does seem to have mellowed. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, but it's great to see him doing more events. And I think he said himself, hasn't he, that he's just, that he didn't he say something about the fans healing? He's found that the th- fans have helped him heal because he's yeah. all been going through all this stuff that we didn't know about. Mm. Um, so maybe he's just really getting something from from conventions, you know, not just the money. Maybe he really does enjoy it. It's such a turnaround as well, because like you said, you know, you go back a couple of years, and he famously said in, on TV, didn't he, oh, no, I won't, won't be doing conventions. And he's had such a turnaround. But, yeah, it's great to see him doing the US one as well. It is, yes. Uh, the, I, I think he'll enjoy the US ones because they go, the, the, the US convention goers, I will admit, they, they are, their cosplay game is pretty strong. I mean, I know ours is getting better, but they do go pretty mad for it. You know, yeah. It's all out, um, which is great. So I think he'll love that. I think that'll be a, a, a cool event. And Gallifrey One's always known to be a good, a very good Doctor Who convention. So, um, yeah, anyone wants to, from the UK anyway, um, wants to, to head out there, uh, there are still still lots of tickets available. I think it's around $100-odd for the weekend. So it's the 14th to the 16th of Feb. And I think that's for the full three days ticket. So I think in pounds, it's probably, I don't know, 80 odd pounds, something like that. Yeah. So not too bad, really. Um, the other guests they've got there is, um, I think Peter Davison is there. Mm. Uh, Jeanette Fielding. Um, Mark Strickson is there. Fraser Hines. Um, Sarah Sutton. Oh. I love Fraser. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that'll be good, actually. There's got the the old classic crew there. And there's like a bunch of other people that have been involved with who. Lots of writers, um, uh, screenwriters and producers and so on. Uh, people like Paul Cornell's there. Um, Una McCormack. Um, all those sorts of people. Any, anybody that's been involved in the screenplays or novels and stuff, 
bunch of those guys there as well. So it looks like a good event, and I'll probably announce a few more people as well. I know that Colin Baker has been to this one quite a few times, so he <laughs> might be he might be popped on there or McCoy or something. Of but course he's there. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, we'll put a link in the show notes. Just head over to gallifrey1.com. Um, but yeah, you get to meet Mr. Eccleston himself. I think his price is good as well. I believe it's around $65, um, which is less than, because in the UK, he's 85, isn't he, normally? Normally, Or yeah. maybe even 95. I know he's quite a lot here because, um, you know, when he was first announced, it was a big thing that he was doing conventions. So hopefully his price in the UK might drop just a little bit <laughs> as well would be nice. But yeah, I think that's good, um, a good price for him. Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. And when you convert it to pounds, obviously, it's... Uh... yeah. I think I'm right in saying that. Don't quote me on it, but I remember seeing it thinking, oh, that's that's good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So there we go. Eccleston at Gallifrey 1. Literally no other news worthy of talking about, to be honest with you. Um, no. It's still <laughs> extremely quiet. Nothing from Chibbers, nothing from the BBC. I think the only thing that we did see was a little hint that there was a new VR game that they released oh, a little yeah. while ago. And that somebody, uh, a group of people were saying that that had a spoiler or something for series uh thir- is it series 13 the next one 12 12 <laughs> it's, it's 12 that's coming up isn't it next year yeah. sorry yeah um but that was debunked it's just a, an isolated little thing so that looks kind of cool but i was gonna say there's no way chivers would let a spoiler go into a vr <laughs> game it'd have, it'd have nipped that in the bud before they even got to to draw it <laughs> <laughs> um actually the only other thing that's um that's kind of cool in terms of news was um the uh, the release of the Rose story from Big Finish. Mm. So um, Billy Piper had her own story. So it, she wasn't a companion in that one. It was her own. I think it was called the Dimension Canon. Oh, could, yes. Could yeah. be wrong, but yeah. Um, so I've got that. I've got to listen to that soon. I've got it in the list uh, to do. But yeah, that looks kind of cool. Yeah, because I, I was listening to your solo show and you were talking about that set, weren't you? Because I know you love Clive. And yep. I was thinking, yeah, I bet you can't wait to listen to that set. I, I really, I haven't bought it because um, there's just too much big finish at the minute. And I, I really want to hear your thoughts on the Clive story and how they brought him back into it and stuff. So, yeah, you'll have to let me know what you think of that when you get around to listen to it. Will do. Mm. Right, that's it for news. Shall we see what the, um, what the, the merch is saying at the moment? Yeah, how is old how it is his old Dalek tat these days? You're right. He's been loving he's one of these people that just loves to be on his own. So yeah. he's been loving life at the minute. But now he has to do something, he's got the hump again, so uh, bring him in. Bring him in. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. It's a bit rubbish. But it's pretty. It's very well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. If I work in a shop now, hit to help. Talking a big finish. Mm. Uh, Freema. Freema Ajiman is coming back to Doctor Who to do some big finish. Yes. It's a bit of a surprise, this one, because I assumed that Freema was not completely done with who but she's had a, a successful career onwards from from doctor who and uh yeah hasn't really i mean there are people that have obviously moved on but they still talk about doctor who quite frequently so david tennant talks about it a lot matt smith you know anyone that does these kind of talk shows when they're on the sofa you know like the graham norton jonathan ross kind of shows 
yeah. they always get asked about Doctor Who there and on the convention scene they're obviously there for predominantly Doctor Who and so on but Freema she's very I've not heard her talk about Who in any interviews or anything like that for for years so this was a surprise to see her coming back for Big Finish and she's in a Torchwood story so she's not back for 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 the main Doctor Who range but she's back for Torchwood and it's uh they're going to team her up with Eve Miles and it's going to be for a Torchwood story called Dissected. And in this one, um, let me give you some blurb on this one. Um, Martha Jones, who was the companion to the 10th Doctor uh, in the second series, returned to the world of, of Torchwood in February next year, 2020. And uh, she has, um, where's a blurb for it? Uh, here we go. Sorry. Gwen Cooper turns to Martha Jones' doorstep, turns up on Martha Jones' doorstep with a dead body in tow. Oh, she nice. needs to ask one final <laughs> favour and to find out why they stopped being friends. A lot's happened to Torchwood since Martha left. A lot's happened to Martha since she left Torchwood. And there's something very odd about the dead body Gwen's brought with her. Tonight, she's going to be getting more answers than she bargained for. Mm. Because we know that the character Martha was in Torchwood, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Very briefly, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be a cool character story, I feel, this one. I think there's going to be a lot of good interaction between Martha and Eve. And um, just a little bit about Freema returning. So when they ask her about her coming back to the world of Doctor Who, I suppose, she says, oh, mate, the nostalgia has been quite overwhelming. It really is like stepping into comfortable old shoes it feels like about five minutes ago, and yet so much time has passed. That's the wonderful thing about the Hooniverse. You never feel on the outside of it. It's great to be back. Oh, that's you up nice. for some Martha action, dude? <laughs> yes, indeed. That sounds dodgy, um, doesn't it? Yeah, you up for Freeman coming <laughs> yeah. back? To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting what you said, because, yeah, now you mention it, um, I haven't heard her talk about Who for ages, and I don't think she's done a UK con for quite a while that I'm aware of. So like you said, I think she's been busy doing other stuff. Um, it's great to see her coming to big finish actually. Um, and quite interesting. She's doing Torchwood because I think I'm right in saying that way back in the day she was supposed to be in, was it series two? She was like as yeah. a main character. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, if it was true. It might be Russell's book. I can't remember, but I think she sort of backed out very late in the day. Uh, from what I remember at the time and, and, you know, sort of all well, production went into chaos and they had to rewrite her part for someone else. And yeah, cause she went on to do law and order or something instead. Um, so <laughs> she would have at one point been a main character in Torchwood. Uh, and obviously she decided at the time, uh, that that wasn't what she wanted to do. So she moved on to other things. So I think it's pretty cool that they're bringing her back on the audios. So we actually get to have a bit more of her, uh, in Torchwood. And I think she kind of suits that that role as well i think she's quite you know kind of suits the torchwood sort of theme so yeah i think it's quite an interesting audio this one i haven't got any of the tortured ones um i'm sorry to say uh just because of big finish's output these days it's just a range that i really want i hear it's really good but i just don't have the time or the money right now mm-hmm. um i think it's one of those that maybe in a year's time when they go on you know when they do one of their sales that they do uh, I might pick up a few of these, um, 
but yeah I, w- I mean this one does intrigue me i just feel like i've sort of missed so many of the tortured ones i don't know i assume it's a standalone i probably could just buy this one <laughs> but yeah i think so. yeah it does sound yeah. good mm. yeah it does sound good uh, and that's yeah like i said it's not out until february next year uh, it's not reason it's reasonably priced as well it's a, a tenner for the cd and eight quid for the digital download so could be cool yeah, sounds good. I'll definitely put it on my in my wish list, my big finish wish wish list. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mate, how's how about a new laptop bag? Oh, I need a new laptop bag. I thought you did. I actually do. Yeah. <laughs> you should see the thing that I carry my laptop around in. Um it's it's literally covered in mold. It's horrible. Anyway, there's a lovely new bag out from Lavazi. Am I saying that right? Lavazi. Lavazi. Yep. I love these guys because they they do um in the past, they've done the question mark umbrella. Mm-hmm. Still one of my favorite things ever. Well, them and Abbey shot. Um, question mark um, uh, jumper. Uh, they did the scarf, didn't they? You've got the Tom scarf, which is the long version that you can probably wrap around yourself about 20 times. Mm-hmm. So they've done loads of great stuff over the years. Um, they're continuing with their Who range uh, with a really nice uh, TARDIS laptop bag, actually. So it's basically it's the tar- it's a TARDIS blue, and it's got lots of white TARDISes all over it. Uh, looks very very nice the zip features the who insignia and you'll find the seal of rassilon no less embroidered <laughs> uh, inside um so this this you know uh, this could be for anyone male female whatever it's you know it's a really nice bag because on their on their uh, website they've got various people modeling it uh, making it look very cool so yeah uh, it says uh, Meninda who's the director of Lavazi says, uh, there was never any question about which design we should launch as our new line of Doctor Who unisex bags. Our latest items are the result of years of hard work and planning. So we can't wait for you to see what else we've got in store. So it sounds like they may have got more on the way, mm. uh, but it, this one's available now and it's priced thirty nine ninety nine. Do you like it? No, I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> I knew this wasn't your thing. No, it looks too feminine. In, like, in the style, you know, mm. um, and don't get me wrong, that's not a bad thing. But I think, and there there is a, a male, a young male model on their website who's posing for it, mm-hmm. posing with it, should I say? Um, but yeah, it's not for me because they've got so, like the big. It looks like a women's, it looks like a a, a woman's bag because it's got the big handle straps and stuff, and they've just added a shoulder strap to it. Mm. It looks too feminine for me. It doesn't look like a laptop bag either. It I really must admit, doesn't. when I yeah. when I first saw it, I was thinking, oh, it doesn't. Yeah, I didn't immediately see it as a laptop bag. I'm the same. I thought, oh, because you sort of laptop bag, I associate as just being a very square, mm. boring, you know, in the shape of a laptop. So yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um, so you won't be sashaying sashaying <laughs> in the BFI with this anytime soon sadly not no, no. i can see the I, appeal for lots of people I, I can see a lot of people picking this up but uh me personally no i'll give this one a, no. i like it i was thinking should i replace the geek's handbag with it to just put a few badges on it but um no i'll, I'll keep the handbag for now even though it's falling apart yeah, this will be a, you'd have to get a lot more badges dude this yeah this is probably about four times the size yeah. at least yeah uh, it's okay though it's okay yeah, I think a lot of people will like it, but I know what you mean. It's not for everyone. No. Uh, yeah, that's merch. That's all we have for you. That's it. No B&M TARDIS. 
no beer. <laughs> How many are they releasing? I, honestly, I just can't keep up with it. I mean, I'm loving the B&M stuff at the minute, but oh, have you got yourself a B&M Tardis yet, Gary? No, I've not got any of them. Get yourself a Sharda one on that shelf. You can't see this, listeners, but it's all Star Wars behind him at the minute, and this is this is a disgrace. Get yourself a Sharda <laughs> Tardis on there. Well, the camera's not pointing towards the big ass oh, bookshelf over here. It. It's never pointing in the right way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's in his little man cave and it's all star wars behind him traitor <sighs> mind you there's absolutely nothing behind me it's a white wall <laughs> yeah, yeah at least i've got something <laughs> at least you got oh, something yeah. <laughs> uh, oh dear anyways review time yeah what we got dude uh it's old fluffy five this week so we're back to classic who um with the peter davison story arc of infinity this session of the High Council Time Lords is now in progress. Chief, you think? Yes. The space-time parameters of the Matrix have been invaded by a creature from the antimatter world. I am not of your dimension, Time Lord. It won't be that easy to track this creature down. The universe is rather a big place, and there is an easier alternative. To kill you, saw the Doctor. How? Huh. Must find the Doctor. The rest will fall into place. The creature must be expelled immediately if we are to avert disaster. He'll find a way to help us. You will convey him to a place of termination. Termination. Well, that sounds exciting. <laughs> it often does, doesn't it? The classic yeah. Who trailers. Yeah. Yeah. The Ark of, Inf- of Infinity <laughs> was first broadcast. Back in 1983, in January, it's a four-parter. It was written by Johnny Byrne. It was directed by Ron Jones. Stars Peter Davison, uh, Sarah Sutton and Jeanette Fielding, and then a fairly reasonably sized supporting cast. Mm. And the story is Omega, the old, old Time Lord, uh, is made of, was now residing in nothing more than antimatter. He's still there shouting about it yes. in his room. Oh, yes, I think. Me in. Yeah, many, many moons ago, the doctor kicked him out. And he's he now. He just won't let it go, will he? No. And he's managed to figure out a way to come back into our dimension, made of matter, obviously not antimatter, but it involves uh, bonding with the doctor, which fails initially. So uh, while this is going on, there's a couple of. Um, dudes that are holidaying in Amsterdam. One of them happens to be uh, Tegan's cousin and he goes missing. Uh, so Tegan turns up in this one as well and she teamed up with the guy he's, her cousin was travelling with and they're going to go and find him wherever he's gone. And uh, But she gets captured as well. So Omega captures those guys and holds them hostage, tries to tell the doctor to stop his meddling while he gets on with his plan. Otherwise Tegan's going to get it. Uh, but then, um, the time Lords, they are a bit stupid in this story. I will be honest with you. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they essentially want to, uh, destroy. They're happy for the doctor to be destroyed. If that means that the, the matrix isn't compromised and Omega can control everything essentially. But the doctor's a clever little peanut and manages to to evade his death and then subsequently defeat Omega, which turns out to be fairly easy in the end. Yeah. So yes, the Ark of Infinity. What have you? What are your views on this one, Bud? Mm, it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, this kick started 
you know, the 20th season and it's got so much, um, so many interesting things thrown into the mix. You know, you've got uh, the return of Omega after the brilliant three doctors. You've got Tegan coming back. Um, and I'm just going to say this while I remember how funny is that end shot of the doctor when she says, it looks like you're stuck with me. And he just goes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> was that Davidson or was that the doctor? We don't know. Um, uh, you've got Gallifrey and Time Lords. Um, you know, it's some great elements here, but um, I can imagine this looked brilliant on paper. I bet, you know, I bet the script was quite good, but it just somehow doesn't translate to screen for me it's um it's quite watchable um although i do there's a lot of endlessly walking around by those two twits <laughs> in <laughs> in amsterdam and there's a lot of i mean what were they that those bits really bored the pants off me when they were faffing around um because you just don't care about them uh, i just think cut all that stuff out but um yeah i find it kind of watchable um it it just i think it just could have been so much better um I can sort of see what they were going for um, and why it sort of kicked off the season with all this stuff, you know. Um, but it, it just doesn't hit the mark, uh, really. It's not one I reach for very often, um, but it's not one I dislike either. I mean, I'll quite happily sit there and watch it. Um, there's enough in there to sort of entertain me, if you like. Um, but, yeah, it's not a favourite. Yeah. So it's a bit of a sort of a meh. It's an okay one, I think. Uh, but it could have been great, I feel, given given a few tweaks here and there and, you know, maybe with a better supporting cast. <laughs> uh, it could have been a lot better. Because you've got Amsterdam as well. I love seeing Doctor Who on location. I love it when we get to see the Doctor running around, you know, um, different places like City of Death and, and this one, Amsterdam. But even that feels a bit boring. We don't really see much of Amsterdam at all, really. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's okay. I'll happily watch it, but I don't think it's anything special either. Mm. What about you, mate? I actually quite like this one. I thought you might. Yeah. I've just got a bit of a soft spot for this one. I'm not sure why either. I really don't mm. know why. I just feel, don't get me wrong, there are a few moments when I do feel slightly bored throughout the story. It's not one of, it's it, if you're looking for action, and a bit more of a high octane <laughs> experience. This is not the story for you. There's only a couple of little scenes that border on action. Really, there's not. There's a lot of talking in this one. Mm. A lot of talking, a lot of walking, and a lot of Colin Baker as the Doctor. Pretty much. Do you know what's weird? I completely <laughs> forgotten he was in it. Yeah. <laughs> honestly and it's i mean i this is probably the sixth seventh time I've, I've watched this a few times over the years and i don't know if it was just because i hadn't thought about it in my head when i put it on but when colin walked in i was like oh my god it's colin mm. <laughs> so, so i like completely forgot that he was in this as maxill um and obviously he gets to shoot the doctor as well um he doesn't like wearing that big old hat though does he why who would he well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah who would <laughs> Well, he said he says he couldn't get through the door. Actually, it's worth watching the doc, the making of on this because mm. Colin and Peter are on it and they're quite funny. Because um, yeah. Peter's sort of ribbing him, saying, "You know, you you just didn't want to wear it." He's like, "I couldn't get through any doors." <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, you just didn't want to wear it." Yeah, so, yeah. Colin's in it. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because when Colin did land the role of the Doctor, you could tell that you know they were like, "Well, when you played Maxil, 
you came across as quite stern and mm. almost grumpy. So just let's just have a bit of that. So any yeah. any time that when Colin's the doctor, he's got a grump on. He's essentially Maxil. <laughs> you know, he's kind of transferred that over. So um, yeah. So there's a lot of talking, a lot of walking around, but I do like the. I do like the who done it aspect because you have one of the time lords who's conversing with Omega, but you never see his face and his voice has changed as well. Mm-hmm. So you think, who is that? Who, which one of the council is is the traitor who's talking to um to Omega? And uh yeah, it's kind of um I'll be honest with you, the very first time I watched this one, I didn't call it correctly. I thought it was Castellan that was the traitor when I very first watched it. Yeah. So I think they did the, the who done it, who was the traitor quite well. And, uh, it has got some cool buildups as well. Like the bit where the doctor's going to be executed. We obviously know he's not, mm. but there's that build up, And even you see it happen. You, you see the process start and you think, Holy crap, are they actually going to kill the doctor and somehow bring him back? But it's yeah. just been, he's just been taken off to, the antimatter dimension, hasn't he? He's been held captive mm. by Omega for a bit, and then we have the, the the the. There's a friend of the Doctor, isn't there? I think he's called Damon. Is it Damon? Um, well, the one he's like, yeah, I can't remember his name. Yeah, he's the one that works <laughs> there, but he's the friend of the Doctor's. So that's the other thing that's quite cool about this story is that it's really like. Hello, it's my cat. Um, it's really like. <laughs> um, the, the whole Gallifreyan law and Gallifreyan stuff is all in there. It's it's pretty cool. So you've got the High Council mm-hmm. and they mention Rassilon and obviously you've got Omega, the, you know. Uh, so that's kind of cool. But it's what's good about that is they didn't leave it there. They delved in a, just a tiny bit more. So you've got that reference between the Doctor and uh, what's-his-face um, when they kind of acknowledge that each other has regenerated since they last met. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's uh, kind of cool. isn't it? Uh, Barusa. Barusa, yes. Mm. So that's cool. And then, like I said, this guy who's his friend who works at, in, you know, at the Gallifreyan Matrix office, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. um, he's overseeing all that, all that stuff. So I do like the fact that we dive into uh, some of that Gallifrey stuff. Uh, and it's like um, it, there was there was no massive like for series twelve that's coming up next year. I'd imagine that if they were going to do a story where the Doctor goes back to Gallifrey for something there would be this tremendous hype mm. around it. You know, there was nothing back in the day for that. You know, the Doctor's TARDIS has been overridden by by the Time Lords and he's on his way back to Gallifrey and that's it. You know, we're bosh, we're into the story. So yeah. I like all that stuff as well, you know. So I do have a soft spot for it. I do like it, but I do agree it's not uh, it's not the, the most engaging of watches from the classic era. Mm. But I, I think it's, I mean, I, I always like to see the Doctor back on Gallifrey, but I think one of the things that does let it down for me is Gallifrey itself. I mean, it looks so dreary. It does It does look like they didn't have a lot of money for this. I don't know if it went on the location shoot or what, but it, it, it does look, um, yeah, Gallifrey just looks very cobbled together. Like, oh, let's get that old sofa in. Yeah, <laughs> that can be part of Gallifrey. Um, those light bulbs, you know, oh, just that grey wallpaper um, and a bit of tinsel. And it's like it does feel very <laughs> cobbled together from whatever they had in stock. Um, but also the Time Lords, they're so posh and theatrical and unlikable, aren't they? They are unlikable. I mean, they're incredibly yeah. posh. Hey, Dotty, you're back, are you? Oh, good to see you, old chap, and all this sort of thing. And um, 
Yeah, but I know what you mean. It's it's good. There, there's some good interaction between the Doctor, and you mm. do get the sense of, um, you know, I think even though a lot of the cast are different to the characters, like I know they're supposed to regenerate, but you do sort of get the sense that the Doctor knows them and there is a bit of history there and all that. So, you know, that does work in itself, but... Yeah, mm. it's yeah. I know what you mean. It's, it's it does. It has all the right elements. I do think it it could have been great um, if it just had a little bit more money. And I do feel like the cast are a bit laboured. Um, apart from the main cast, I think Davison's pretty good. But I think sort of like some of the supporting cast really they they don't feel one hundred percent into it to me. They just feel like they're mm. you know it feels a bit sort of like a play, just rattling along, plodding along a bit in terms of performance. Um, if you know what I mean. Whereas I feel Davison, once again, he's trying to put a bit bit of extra energy in there, isn't there? I mean, there's some good bits where he's getting cross with Nissa. Mm. Uh, there's one bit where he really shouts at her. And I was like, whoa, steady, yes. Peter. Steady. Um, he's actually, that's enough, one thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think he had had <laughs> enough. Um, that's one thing I do like, actually. It's nice to see just the Doctor and Nissa. I think they work really well in that first, that first episode where it's just the two of them. Um, well, I know they're sort of together for the two of them, for most of it but you know what i mean i think they're quite a good dynamic those two yes um all the stuff in the tardis at the start um is pretty good i think mm. i always love to see the doctor filling around you know like when he opens up a round on the tardis you're like what's he doing he's like you know trying to mend something <laughs> i love it when they start removing roundels and stuff like that so yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's cool isn't it because it gives you um it's not it's it's almost like the TARDIS needs a bit of an, an MOT sometimes. And what's kind of yeah. cool also is that when he finishes, he takes the roundel off and he's finished repairing whatever it is. This um yeah, this is like so on to the next job then. And you can tell that he's adding <laughs> he's bored yeah, already. He's like, I've I've just done that. Yeah, I just <laughs> fixed that game. Yeah. And uh yeah. and then she she screams something and he runs back in and then the job gets put off anyway because they need to investigate what's going on. But I just love that about that, that relationship between the doctor and the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. It's like, he knows exactly that the thing's not going to fall apart if he doesn't fix these little things or improve these little things. But Nissa's like, come on, we need to get all this fixed. And he's, you can tell he's like rolling Next his time. eyes. Like, here we I go. think what I did notice is that <laughs> Nissa says, doctor, Doctor, a lot. I was thinking this this might be a good one for a drinking game, you know. Oh um, God, yeah. I'll tell you now. I've, now I've pointed out. The next time you watch this, you just you just keep an ear out for it. She said. I was thinking. I think it's the first and second episode. I was thinking it's literally all she said. I mm -hmm. mean, when she got the script, she must have been like, uh, right. So uh, at this point, I shout, Doctor, and then he moves over there. Oh, and then he sees the thing. Oh, and I see that on the scanner and I go doctor it's like she she does honestly I think that's all she says for the first two episodes and again this comes down to the budget a bit like so there's like this speck on the scanner screen and she's like her reaction to it is as if there's an ex you know something's big it's like you know you'd think the TARDIS had exploded the way she's like oh my god come quickly doctor <laughs> and then you just see this little speck on the screen it's like well it could just be anything she's going mad but yeah. <laughs> you know so the budget sort of shows in that side of things um not that that ever really bugs me with classic who because i like it but it's just you know you just sort of think yeah the reaction doesn't go with what what we're seeing no. sometimes like yeah. you can see the director going yeah you now you see that on the scanner so you want to <laughs> give it some and she really does um so all credit to uh, Sarah Sutton for, <laughs> for all the <laughs> different emotions she manages to put into the word doctor. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I did notice she says it a lot. 
you, next time you watch it, you'll see what I mean. Yeah, I counted five times the last time I watched it. It's the other day. Really? Yeah, I think so. What, just in episode one or all the way through? One and two. I was going to say, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a few more than that later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But she's good. And I do like to see just the two of them together. Yeah. I think that's a problem with a potential problem that they faced just with money in general, I think, back then, because on paper, this is a big a big story really mm. and i yeah, think it is, yeah. i think that's part of the problem with gallifrey not looking as grand and and as amazing as it could do because all we see are interiors like there's a, a section where of the story i think it's episode one towards the end where the doctor and nissa have landed on gallifrey and i think nissa's like where are we doctor or something like that and he's like oh we're in the security bit uh, in the heart of the citadel or something like that Mm. and when you hear that you think oh they're they're in that bit where it's in like that huge glass globe you know the dome and it's it must be amazing but they just didn't they didn't even have the money for an artist for a matte painting or anything like that to show (laughs) so there's no exterior shots at all um from you know gallifrey or or you could be anywhere all it is is just a few corridors and a few rooms and that's your lot really so you don't think, get any sense yeah. of scale, do you? No, no. That's I think that's, that's one thing I did think. Um, there's, you know, like you you might have expected, even if it was just a, a cobbled together, like you said, matte shot of a planet or something. You, you, you do just feel it does feel a bit studio, which is odd compared to the sort of Amsterdam location shoot. You know, you suddenly it does feel very studio, I think, and very confined. You know, it doesn't feel like this grand Gallifrey that we saw even in stories like the deadly assassin and stuff like that, where we've got great big wide shots of the room and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. It just does feel, yeah, a little bit too confined and claustrophobic uh, for Gallifrey. Um, I was just thinking, like you said, it is such a big story and I've never read the book. um, So they did a target novel of it possibly one of the most boring covers oh, yeah. <laughs> ever for one of the, cause the target covers are normally great, aren't they? Normally. Um, yeah. This one's just got a, a photo of the doctor and um, whatever that guy's name is, who tries to shoot him um, uh, with a, what color is the background? Cause I'm kind of like, is it orange? It's, it's an orange. Yeah. yeah. Orange. It's an or- yeah. orange background and that's it. It's like, they've cut them out. They've got a photograph. They've cut them out carefully, <laughs> stuck them on an orange background and put the dot two logo on it. So not the best cover, but, um, I'd be intrigued to read it because it is a grand story. It does have a good storyline as well. And one that's fairly easy to follow because, mm. you know, sometimes a classic who I'm not really sure what's going on. Sometimes I get quite lost, you know, this one is fairly straightforward. It's just Omega trying to bring himself back yeah, for, you know, yeah. using another body and gallo, you know, the time Lords get involved and all that. Um, and the other thing that I've noticed is that the novels written by Terence Dix, who of course we sadly lost recently. So I'd be very intrigued to read, uh, the target novel of this just to see, just to see what magic Terence brought to it. Cause I was, I can imagine he, He's taken all these great elements and I would think made it into a good story. So I'd be, despite the awful cover, I'd be quite intrigued to get the um, the book. Yeah, because Terence had that Another amazing... Another one to uh, put on the shelf and yeah. not read, but you know, I mean, I'd be quite intrigued to get it. No, I read you. So Terence had this amazing, as we all know, this amazing ability to flesh out a lot of the scenes that you wouldn't necessarily have time to do across um, the TV schedule. Yeah. So I reckon there could be some cool stuff in the book, you know. 
if any of our listeners have, have read it, mm. um, just drop us a get on the old Facebook or Twitter and just let us know, you know, whether it sort of uh, does mm. flesh out all these brilliant elements that are all there. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, the story is fairly simplistic. There isn't too much going on. It's just the doctor being detective for, for the most part, trying to find out how exactly they can stop Omega from going through, along with who is talking to Omega. Who is tr- Because the reason why Omega tries to anyway and is almost successful in bonding with the Doctor is because somebody within the High Council is transmitting the Doctor's biodata to Omega. So it's a bit of a, like I said, who done it? Who, who's, who's the traitor? And then trying to stop Omega from... Um, from from coming into the into this dimension, so it's fairly. There's not the, some stories have a lot of threads running through it, and you know mm-hmm. they all kind of go off and then intersect and go off and meet at the end. Whereas this one's fairly simple, so not really much to talk about story wise. It's quite simple. Um, cast wise, um, you mentioned that the supporting cast felt like they weren't really into it. I do have I do agree with you with um mo- with the most part, but I do think there are two people that were fairly decent though. Mm. The first one was Paul Jericho as uh the Castellan. I thought he was kind of cool because he had yes. that um no nonsense. I don't care if he's the doctor because there's a point where I think it's Damon says to him, why are you treating the doctor like a criminal? You know, he gets a bit humpy about it, but that guy isn't phased. And he's the one that's giving Maxwell all the orders as well. You know, he's like, go and hunt down the doctor, go and do this. You know, if he, any trouble, just kill him. You know, it's all good. So he came across fairly strong minded and. I, I agree you know, with you. I yeah. think he was good as well. Cause we do get to see him as the same character in five doctors, don't we? He's the, yeah. he's the one that says the famous line, isn't he? Oh no, not the mind probe. <laughs> but no, I agree yeah. with you. I think he was he was good. Um, I liked him as well. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then actually there were two others. I actually thought that Colin Baker was okay. I thought Colin was good. Yeah. I thought he suited that kind of um sort of just no nonsense guard type thing. Yeah, no, I thought he was good. I liked Colin in it. Yeah, he's a bit of a hard ass. And uh, mm. the other one was um was uh Heedin by Michael Goff. I think that he, even though he was trying, he he played the nice card quite a lot because there's a bit where the doctor and he didn't, they meet each other and they obviously were a good friends. They've obviously, you know, interacted a lot in the past. And there was that, there was another bit as well where the high council voted on whether or not they should terminate the doctor, execute him. And Mm. the doctor says, was it a complete, was it unanimous? And they said, no, he didn't vote it to keep you alive sort of thing. So he's kind of playing the good guy card to mask his trail of, you know, well, his betrayal ultimately to Omega. Yeah. But I do think that Michael Goff, like the early days, we, you know, a lot of people know him as Alfred from the Batman movies. Oh, is that where I know? I couldn't place him. I kept thinking, I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah he's yeah, he's the, um, Not the new ones, but you know, the 89 Michael Keaton films yes, those ones yeah. right, right um so back in the day though he was quite a you know an accomplished tv actor mm. and film actor i suppose but it, it, i don't know he did have a, a nice charm about him and that's why it threw me the first time the very first time i watched it i thought they it could be a bit of a curveball and like yeah um it's gonna be like the nice old friend of the doctor is the the traitor but i don't know he just seems too nice but ultimately he is but yeah i thought his performance was pretty good as well yeah, I'll go. I'll agree with you. Yeah, I think those those guys um, 
definitely bring something to it. Uh, it is great to see Colin in in here, knowing that he goes on to be the Doctor. Um, and we didn't have to explain it either. We didn't have any flashbacks like we did Capaldi, did we? Like, oh, we must explain why he looks like somebody he's already met. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think those three were decent i think the ones that let it down for me are the two lads that so we got tegan's is it, is it what is he Her tegan's cousin i think cousin yep i mean wow <laughs> and uh but even worse is the other guy who um what's his real name because i think his mum was a director of doctor who or something oh uh, yeah, what's um... his name <laughs> all these months are off and I still can't remember anyone's name. So yeah. So Alistair Cumming, who obviously played Colin Fraser, mm-hmm. um, his mum was, um, surname, something coming. She was a, she directed a few doctor who's as well. Um, really sorry that I can't remember her name. I'm sure listeners will be screaming at us cause she was quite, quite well known. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. uh, anyway, but I thought his performance was pretty weak. He just feels like, you know, those two guys, uh, they're sort of very typical of this, era of television where it's very stilted you feel like it could possibly be their first acting job um i mean (laughs) to be fair to them i've seen worse uh they sort of get the lines out okay and they do the reaction shots all right so i'm not going to be too hard on them but they're also not particularly great um so they sort of let it down for me a bit i think Mm. um fiona coming what's her name fiona coming yes of course yeah fiona coming um I don't know about you, but I really expected Tegan to lay into the Doctor as well because the last time we saw her, he just dumped her on Heathrow, didn't he? <laughs> she, do you remember? It ends with her getting on the roof and, well, better be, yeah. oh, he's, he's left me behind. So I expected her to, like, when she saw the Doctor, I thought, oh, he's going he's gonna to get a right old ticking off. <laughs> but no, she's like, doesn't even she's like, oh don't worry about it i've been sacked um i'm back now it's all good <laughs> what an anti-climax um, to tegan yeah, come on story. like that's not very tegan is it she'd have been like well thanks for blah, 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 you know leaving yeah. me behind you believing <laughs> well what I, I just felt really uh like, the, so i watched this i thought this can't be tegan's story like she literally banged on for so long about wanting to get back to Heathrow Airport for my job. And then she's back there for five minutes and they sack Gets her anyway. The sack and she's like, oh, well, never mind. <laughs> I must admit, I yeah. think it's a strange way to bring her back. It is. Um, it? It's yeah. an unusual, it feels pointless, doesn't it? It feels, a bit. Yeah. yeah, I don't get it at all. Um, and I don't really get the whole story with, um, you know, those two chaps in Amsterdam, really, apart from obviously the fact that that's Tegan's cousin, so that brings her back into the story. It just feels very pointless. We get a lot of them wandering around mm. that sort of crypt. Um, it doesn't go anywhere, that particular story, does it? It's, you know, we've got the chicken thing, uh, Ergon, or <laughs> well, that yeah. thing keeps pumping up. And mm-hmm. so I don't know about you, but I didn't get what that was supposed to be, the Ergon. I was like, well, what is, what is that thing? Like, what is it doing? Um, I think it's just the thing that's been created by... Omega. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I only realised this when I watched the making of, and uh, Johnny Byrne talks about you know the design of it and what it was supposed to be. I, it, I think he describes it a bit of a sort of Frankenstein's monster. It's mm. supposed to be the thing that Omega's been t- using to test, trying to get back into another body like the antimatter, um, and obviously it's failed, and that's the result of it or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But what do you think of the Ergon? I mean, it's the chicken. 
it's it's yeah. rem- it's memorable, isn't it? Um, yeah, for all the wrong reasons, really. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just instantly forgettable. That's the thing, isn't it? It's, I mean, we've seen it's rubber suits and floppy suits and stuff before, and. Mm. Could yeah. it have been shot better though? I mean, it's a sort of slightly interesting design. Could it have been if it was more in the shadows rather than flapping around the studio floor, looking in completely the wrong direction and pretending to shoot people? Could it could it have been made better if, if the director had shot it better? Do you think? Maybe. Or yeah. do you think it was doomed from the start? It was doomed, yeah, because it had to be <laughs> shot at the same level as the actors because it interacts with them. So yeah. you couldn't shoot it from like down and up to make it appear big and. Mm, I'd have kept yeah. it in the shadows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, and also, Omega's Tardis. I think they could have made a bit more effort to make it look different because it's only really watching it again last night that I realised it's supposed to be. I don't know why. In my mind, I I'd always got confused and thought Omega was in the Doctor's Tardis somehow. It like transported mm-hmm. there, and it was only really yesterday when I was paying proper attention to it that I realised he's oh, it's supposed to be his Tardis, is it? Um, yeah, I mean, it just, I don't know. Maybe they could have just done something because at least when the master's tardis is in it they paint the walls black and make it look evil yeah yeah. like they could have painted his walls green or something i don't know i just i just thought oh it's just the doctor's roundels that they've shoved a few wires across and you know made it look it's a different tardis (laughs) recycle and reuse mate yeah yeah what do you think about the bit where he's like in the transformation and all the slimes <laughs> pouring out of him and he's like, blah, 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 blah. He's like yeah. I, I kind of thought that that made it look too much like it because actually sorry i'll start with another question what do you think of the new design of omega because obviously he looks totally different Completely. to how he did in the yeah. three doctors which do you prefer what do you think of the new look i prefer the old one yeah if i'm honest with you i think it's got a much more cleaner uh more I don't know, more authoritative look to it. Whereas mm. this one just looks like, I don't, uh, it See, doesn't I think it looks character. okay. Yeah. It's yes. all right. Until he goes to that bit where he's supposed to be melting and then he, and then he literally takes off the mask and that takes something away from, I think it's like, Oh, so obviously he just removes the mask and we've got Davison underneath who's now supposedly Omega and mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it, it does. Yeah. It just does literally turn into a rubber suit, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. it doesn't have any grandeur to it. Like the one in the three doctors, I don't think, which just don't know. It was iconic. It's such a simple, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. wearing that sort of gown and a big old mask. And that was it really. But it, it, it I don't know. Something more iconic. I think about the three doctors no, I version agree. of it, but yeah. I kind of like this one in a, in its own way. It's um, okay. Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the original about- one from the three doctors though just had a big like you said it looked grander it looks more mm. yeah more terrifying mm. but yeah i was gonna say so then what do you think about the bit when he turns into peter and he starts <laughs> running around amsterdam turning into a rice crispy what do you think of that bit um because I actually quite like Peter as evil. He's quite like that cool. Bit, yeah. That bit where the kid turns around and smiles at him, and he, Peter does this weird, creepy grin back, doesn't he? And I was thinking, yeah, Peter's quite good at doing evil because it's very understated evil. Um, so I thought he was quite good. I was almost a bit of a shame that they then do that weird <laughs> changeover <laughs> to um, uh, Ian Collier, Ian Collier who yeah. was in the Omega suit, suddenly becomes. You know, the, the sort of Peter Davison version of Omega, if you know what I mean. So it's all a bit odd. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, we knew at some point 
that there was just going to be a lot of running around Amsterdam, didn't we? It's like, yeah. right, we're in Amsterdam. We need to get some shots of this. So let's have us running down that road. Um, let's have us running in front of that church. And there's, you know, which is pretty standard. You've got to show off a bit of the location. So episode four is pretty much a run around, isn't it? But <laughs> I kind of liked it. And I do really like the bit where, and this is one of the things I love about Davidson's doctor is when he has, to, has a moral dilemma, you know, like the bit mm-hmm. where he's going to shoot Davros, but he just can't do it because he's fluffy five. But in this one, he's pushed the limit. He's putting that gun together like the man with the golden gun, <laughs> fixing it all together. And then he's like, oh, is the doctor really going to kill him? He does. He, he actually hesitate, does it. Really? He has to yeah. do it, doesn't he? Um, but I, I like Peter when he's acting that style of, you know, I don't want to do this because this is not my doctor. I, I'm a nice doctor. But he does have to shoot him. And I, I thought I do. I really like that end bit. I thought that was good. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think I think Peter absolutely loved playing Omega. I think he uh, he yeah. would have loved, had the opportunity to, to just do something different and not be kind, human-esque doctor for a, just a, a half a day just running around with the... With the uh, the bubble wrap glued to his face and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, do, I agree that ending that w- when he shoots Omega is very cool. He doesn't even, cause he gives him the opportunity. He does say, he does, doesn't he? He does give him the option. Like, don't, I don't want to kill you. Let me help, you know, but yeah, he doesn't even hesitate. He puts the gun together and then Bosch zap. He's off. He's off. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I also just wondered what you thought of, um, Ian Collier as Omega, because I really like, um, is it Stephen Thorne who played the original? Yeah. Um, I no offense to Ian Collier, he's perfectly good, but in my opinion, he's a little bit too theatrical, bit like the bit like the Time Lords. Like at the start, he's like the Doctor must be captured. He's a little bit too <laughs> trying to be evil. Um, whereas mm. I think Stephen Thorne was a little bit more when not that, when he does the Omega scream, it's, it's terrifying in Three Doctors, and so I think Ian Collier was good, but I don't think he was as good. Stephen Fawn. I don't know. It's just something not as powerful in his performance for me as Omega. Apparently, <clears throat> excuse me. Apparently, Ian Collie is pretty good in the Big Finish story. Omega. Oh uh, well, I listened to that, but oh, years ago when that first came out. Um, I honestly can't remember. Mm. I'm sure he is. Yeah, but I can't remember. I get what you mean, though. He is a bit theatrical. Big booming voice. I have to be the evil one. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) it. He's like, yeah, the doctor must uh, perish. Yeah, it's all a little bit. Yeah, but it's good. It's fine. I think it's just because I can't help but compare the two. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, just didn't think he quite had enough. He's a bit too not not panto, but he was bordering borderline panto (laughs) villain. A little bit, (laughs) but he was fine. Just not as good as Stephen Thorne. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Stephen Thorne was awesome in the Three Doctors. Yes. Um, what about, what about Peter just for the, before we, obviously before he's Omega, um, a fairly standard performance for him. Nothing really screams to me. If you get what I mean from start to finish, it's just fairly, I wouldn't say paint by numbers, but fairly standard. Nothing that screams out that makes me think, Oh, do you remember that bit from Ark of Infinity when the doctor does X? It's just nothing like that really. It does feel, yeah, I mean, it's a, it does feel a little bit like Peter's going through the motions. It's not one of those where, it's not one of those where I think you can just tell that he's really not into it. It's not a time flight, 
but you can t- also it's not a, it's not a caves of Andrazani either. He's kind of just in the middle, I think. In this one, is um, he's good, but like you said, there's no standout moment or for me from Peter in this. Um, I mean, the bit that comes close to it is the bit I just mentioned when he shoots Omega, but that's over in a flash, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it, yeah, I I like Peter in this. He's good. I love the stuff with Nissa and and um, <laughs> love his face at the end with Janet. And she says, you're stuck with me. I'm like, oh, God. Uh, but, yeah, nothing special in this one. It does feel a little bit like his heart started to go out of it. Because um, this is, is this his last season, 20th season? Penultimate. He's got another one after Penultimate. Oh, yeah. So this, oh, so yes, of course. So this is, yes. Because Time Flight was the story before mm-hmm. the end of the previous season. That's when he decided he was going to leave. So even though he's got two more seasons to go, at this point, he already knows he's going, I think. Uh, yes. Is that right? Yep. Is that right? No, yeah. That's right. Yep. So, um so yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. You kind of sense that a little. I don't know if that's because we know that he, he knew. I don't know, but he doesn't feel doesn't feel like he's sort of a hundred percent into it. No. I don't think, but certainly not bad. No, not not his worst. Like you said, not like Time Flight where he looks absolutely bored absolutely. out of his mind. Yeah, just like oh dear, oh dear. But not yeah. like Caves kind of performance, I suppose. Oh nowhere near. Yeah, no. and then Nissa. Uh, like you said, she just she's okay in this, but she's um just nothing a, a bit a bit like Peter Davison, really. Yeah, just a little bit going through the motions slightly. There's that one scene where she plays upset quite badly at the thought of the Doctor potentially being executed because of the one point where they they think the Doctor's dead. That's right, and they're back inside the console room, I think, and. She's supposed to be crying at the death of the doctor, but she's, you know, that that lasts for about ten seconds. Um, other than that, she yeah, she just screams doctor a little bit, and then that's it really. Yeah, I think the most fire feistiness we get from this series when she is having to go at the time lords. You know, when she sort of threatens to shoot, she's like, "You're not going to kill the doctor, or I'll shoot you," and all that. And the doctor takes the gun off her. That's a nice scene, yeah. Um, yeah. but that's probably about the best scene she has in it. But yeah, she's fine. Again, I like I like Sarah Sutton as Nissa, but not not a great story for her. Not one of her better ones, I don't think. No. no. And obviously, <laughs> Janet. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, she's just Janet, isn't she? She's just. I don't know. It's, I just think it's so weird. She just pops back up at the airport and hi, I'm back. And I don't it, like you said earlier, it doesn't quite feel like the Tegan we saw at the end of time flight. No, um, no, no. I, I'm trying to, what's the next story? Uh, after Snake darts. Oh, dance, well that's yeah. very much a Tegan story actually. Um, so maybe we'll see a bit more of that feisty teasing uh, Tegan in that. Um, I haven't watched snake dance for ages, but that's the one where she gets possessed and all sorts. And so, yeah, I don't know. I wanted to see a bit more fiery Tegan, especially after being dumped on the Heathrow roof. I thought we'd see a bit of a. <laughs> thought we'd see a bit more. Yeah, I think it's it, that's kind of indicative of this story overall. Really, like I said, I like this one. Yeah, I think it's a good story, but in terms of the performances, it feels a little bit like it's like the warm up into the series. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it feels like people are back into it. You know, it's the first episode. Everyone's had a holiday. Everyone's had a yeah, break. Yeah, come back, to back into it. Yeah, yeah, so no one's going too crazy or anything. But I would have loved to have seen Tegan rip into the Doctor a little bit. And... <laughs> you left me on the blooming roof, you, <laughs> you gazelle. No, what's that thing? 
Yeah, Greg is... Yeah, Galar, yeah. Galar, that's it. Yeah, Greg Galar. But I think also the funniest bit is the Doctor's face at the very end mm-hmm. where, gee, I guess you're stuck with me and yeah. you can just see, I reckon if the camera was on him, if they didn't cut for like another two or three seconds, you would have seen the rolling of the eyes and the frown I'd and whatnot. Like, but <laughs> I'd love to see some outtakes of that. There is one, there's one outtake at the end of the documentary, the making of, where the director's telling Peter to, could you just brush your hair peter it's a little bit out of place as it can like anyone would notice <laughs> that you you're worried about that but you're not worried about it's mm. incredible um but yeah there's i'd love to see some more outtakes they obviously exist because they've got that but um one other thing i just want to say before we wrap up mate is that uh, i did go when i went to amsterdam which uh, I, I love amsterdam actually it's a great place um i did uh, drag my other half to that building where the crypt is supposed to be <laughs> and the fountain and um, I would love to go there with you. It is uh, It's actually a restaurant stroke wine bar now. Oh, it nice. might have been back then. Yeah. I don't know, but it, that's what it is now. Um, it hasn't changed one jot. Either. Oh, nice. It looks right. exactly the same. There is no crypt. Sorry to, to destroy that illusion. It's just <laughs> a fountain. I did have a very good look while I was there. Trust me. Did you um, walk behind could, it like they do? I did. I did. <laughs> I think I went to go with a load of photos. Yeah. Um, but I would love, I just have visions of me and you sat in there because it's, it's a really nice place, actually. It's a lovely place to go. And um, I did go and sit in there with my partner and uh, have a nice glass of cold wine. And I could just see, when I was watching yesterday, I was just picturing me and you in there, <laughs> just in the window. The camera just pans to the right. And there we are going, yay, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, J&T. Yeah. But yeah, it's a nice place to visit. It's, a, it's just I can't remember. It's it's not far from sort of Amsterdam Central. I remember we got the tram there. Um, it's just a little bit out of the sort of central Amsterdam area. Uh, well worth a visit if you fancy a nice glass of wine anytime soon. Oh, nice. <laughs> Forget London, mate. Let's just go to Amsterdam. <laughs> so no Ergon's wandering around out of the Didn't crypt. Didn't see any. Know. Actually, there's a lovely garden out the back. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't like that when they filmed there, but I kept thinking if you were there now, you'd have to get that in shot somehow because it's, it's really nice out the back of that house, but we, we don't see any of that. Yeah. <laughs> it probably wasn't like that back then. Yeah. It's probably just a load of old <laughs> mud and trees and <laughs> what have you. Indeedy. Yeah. Okay. Anything you want to mention before we put a score on um, this? Um no, I think we've covered it. Let's have a look at my notes here. No, I think we've covered it, mate. Okay. Yeah. You can go first if you like. Um I'm gonna score this a six point five out of ten. Um it's yeah, it's watchable. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't quite hit all the spot for me that I think it could have done. I think it could have been really good, but uh, yeah, 6.5. Okay. I'm going to give this a seven. A seven already. Yeah. I've Sounds got a soft fair. spot for it. Hmm. I just think it's a nice watchable, good classic. It's not going to win any awards for best story in the Davison years or the, the classic era, but I do feel like it's a, a good watch. Hmm. Yeah. Okie dokie. What did our gorgeous listeners think to this one? We had a few in. The first one is from uh, Sammy Satine from Dan Under. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, the Ark of Infinity. I enjoyed this one. I know. Who knew I'd find another Fifth Doctor story I like? Okay, so those two backpackers are the greatest side characters and one of them is Tiggins cousin, which doesn't help him. I don't like Omega's new mask. Also, turning him into the Doctor was interesting. Any chance Omega will come back to the show in the new series? Please, Chris Chibnall. 
Commander Maxil. It's kind of weird looking at this and thinking, that's the next version of the Doctor. It's great to see Colin though. I give it seven double crossing Time Lords out of ten. See ya. Sammy, agreeing with you there with a seven. She's going to be going mad about our Australian accents, isn't she? Of course. She's, yeah. yeah. She's not going to be impressed. Butchering the old accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Sammy. Very much Thanks, appreciate it always. Uh, next up, this is Martin Arnold. Guys, welcome back. Good to good to hear you in the vortex again. Um, <laughs> Arc of Infinity, a great choice of episode, um, which is the opinion I don't suspect uh, many will share. But I actually really do like this story. I think it's got urgency. Um, the ending is a little underwhelming, but conceptually it, it makes sense. You know, Omega can't abide being in a human form and explodes in a ball of green vomit. You know, well, not explodes, but um, expires gracefully. Uh, I like it. I, you know, um, it's got uh, Gallifrey. That's always good to see. The stuff on Gallifrey is interesting. Colin Baker being an angry Time Lord, um, you know, dressed bizarrely, not uh, not terribly out of character. I like it. I, you know, this this one is a is, is a genuine favourite of mine, and I I will reach for this um, as a fifth Doctor choice um, quite a lot actually. Um, and it's good to see Tegan again, even though she can be a bit annoying. Janet Fielding is a cracking actress. So this is 8 out of 10 for me. Um, see you in the future. Yay. A fan uh, of the story. Expires gracefully. What a, I love that. That's nice, yeah. I hope I expire gracefully <laughs> when the time comes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Martin. Next up is the final audio review, and this is from Luke Malloy. Hello, Gary and Adam. I am glad that the show's back, and I hope that you're both doing well. Now, Ark of Infinity, or as I like to call it, Peter Davidson runs round Amsterdam. Uh, I quite enjoy this story, especially Nissa and Davidson. Nissa's not my favourite companion uh, that there ever was, but just seeing these two together does sort of make me wish there was just a couple more stories where it's together. I think the story really suffers with Omega. Omega's, the new Omega has nothing on the booming old Omega from the Three Doctors. Uh, and he has just as weird henchmen. He's, he, he did have the cell guards and now he's got these chicken ergon things. Uh, the, the, the run around in Amsterdam is pretty cool. There's that nice scene where Omega or Peter Davidson sort of smiles at the kid and it's just on the right side of creepy. Uh, but overall, it's a bit cheap and tacky and that sort of brings it down for me it's nice to see colin baker and um i do find it funny that the doctor just seems so annoyed that he's stuck with tegan again doesn't mm. he literally his quote is literally like so it seems i'm stuck with you again uh he just doesn't like it anyway yeah i give this one a six out of ten thanks again another six yeah yeah very good very cool. Thank you very much, Luke. And thank you guys for sending in your audio clips. Very much appreciated as always. We had a few over on the socials, over on Twitter. Jordan Shortman, one of our reviewers and writers, says, I love this story. The main cast put in tremendous performances and the location shoot is stunning. It's nice to see Omega back and I'm glad that they brought Tegan back because she's my favourite companion. I'll even forgive the Ergon. It's just a real blast. <laughs> a decent yeah. thumbs up from Jordan. Uh, Rick Moran from the Doctor Who Appreciation Society says uh, a special mention for the Ergon a silly monster looks like a giant bony plucked ch <laughs> chicken uh, as a Doctor Who story I would consider Ark of Infinity to be neither a classic 
nor one of the lesser adventures. On all counts, I would consider it to be reasonably well-executed story with plenty of elements to keep most Doctor Who fans entertained. Davison's performance shines a solid 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10, alrighty. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look who else uh, Edward Gillooly says a decent story but Davison running around Amsterdam with Rice Krispies stuck on his face <laughs> is not great <laughs> a 6 out of 10 and over on Facebook Jeff Waddle says uh, it takes a special kind of production team to take such wonderful ingredients the return of Omega Time Laws Amsterdam and combine them into a mess that's as, as dull as dishwater <laughs> Oh. the Gallifrey mm-hmm. scenes are dull the chicken monster is awful the wonderful setting of Amsterdam is so underused they didn't even bother they need have bothered going there Omega does very little and really just collapses for little reason and the return of Tegan is so improbable it's laughable Davison looks embarrassed to be in this and rightly so what an absolute mess crikey good grief Jeff not enjoy, Jeff, not liking it not a fan at all yeah. Charlie Turner um, uh, it's an all right story. It's just rather questionable as to why they decided to change who Omega is when compared to the magnificent late great Stephen Thorne uh, portrayal mm. of him in the Three Doctors, where he is so much better than who played this, despite having moments here and there. Um, a six out of ten, not the sorry, a six point five out of ten, not the worst story in the world, but it could be better. And lastly, Dan Pin says the Ergon striding into the crypt silhouetted by the binding vivid light from Omega's TARDIS. My first memory of Doctor Who Uh, as an adult, it Mm. doesn't seem so scary. So I've always had a soft spot for this story. Don't know why, but the eighties Gallifrey doesn't seem the sort of place. One of the universe's most powerful races would hang out. Is that wood chip wallpaper I spy? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not perfect, but a solid, enjoyable story. A 6.5. 6.5. So roughly the same scores throughout from everybody. Yeah, Yeah, no one's dipped below a 6. No one's gone higher than a 7. So uh, I would say from that, it's a fairly decent middle-of-the-road. Middle-of-the-road story that's, yeah, not awful, not amazing, but is a decent watch if you're in a real bind. And you can't find any other Davison <laughs> stories, I suppose. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for your thoughts and reviews. As always, very much appreciated. Next week, we are back to Torchwood. So what we've got next week, next week, dude? Yeah, so next week, an episode called Combat. 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 Now, I can't even... Rem- I would have watched the next time trailer when we reviewed the last one, but I can't remember what it was. Um, can't remember it at all. So um, that should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, isn't Reese in this one quite a lot? Is he? I think so. Okay. Well, I like Reese, so yeah, that think, sounds good. Yeah, I think he's in that in this one quite a bit, if I remember. Uh, so yeah, next week Torchwood Combat. So give that a watch. We'll be asking for your thoughts and reviews, as always. Uh, I don't know about you, bud, but it's been awesome being back in front of the mic and and bringing you guys the podcast again. Yes, it definitely has. Indeed, yes. And I think we will wrap there for episode 241. Indeed. Cool. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to the show this week i know we've been away for a reasonably sized break but uh we are back 
doing what we we're doing what we love, chatting about Doctor Who, reviewing Doctor Who, and just waffling on a load of Doctor Who uh, nonsense. Thank you for all of you who sent in your reviews and thoughts. Awesome as always. We love our fan community. You guys are awesome. Next week, then some Torchwood action combat. So make sure we get that watched, so you can give us your thoughts on that. In the meantime, head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our shows over there. And also on the podcast networks, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that stuff. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast. You'll find us on there. Give us a subscribe so you don't miss a show when it lands every Friday. Also, check us out on the social channels. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're on those. Give us a like and a follow so we can chat Doctor Who with you guys throughout the week in between episodes. Also, check out Adam's channel, The Geeks Handbag. Yes, over on The Geeks YouTube. Laptop Bag. <laughs> <laughs> the Geeks, yeah. <laughs> over on YouTube, just do a search for The Geeks Handbag. Give Adam a subscribe on there. Tons and tons of really cool videos to get lost in for ages. If geeky reviews and unboxings and uh, location spots and all of that stuff, if that's your bag, then Adam has got the channel for you. So The Geeks Handbag. And Adam's also on the socials as well. Uh, yes. under the same name the geeks handbag so get involved in there uh, go over and give a give adam a like and a follow so again we can converse about doctor who Ooh, yes until next week for episode 242 my name's gary my name's adam and remember uh, hey.